Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I am your host, and I want to begin by saying thank you for listening. On this show, I am having conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some amazing and extraordinary results in both their life and business. My intention is to inspire and help you learn and grow by having my guests share their journey of how they face and overcome their challenges, but also how they celebrate their many wins. And now let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today, Daniel Gomez, is an award-winning keynote speaker, business coach, executive coach, corporate trainer, and podcast of the year recipient. Daniel speaks and coaches at events all over the world, and his passion is to elevate businesses and entrepreneurs to achieve their true potential through their training and coaching programs. Daniel has empowered his clients to achieve epic success in their personal and professional lives. He's an international best-selling author, and his book, The Making of a Millionaire Mind, was published to give people the right approach and the right attitude. Of course, that goes with also having the right heart in becoming a millionaire, and that is God's way so they don't self-implode and self-destruct. An amazing philosophy, by the way. And Daniel's high energy and ability to unlock the untapped potential in people will be very clear as him and I work through the discussion. He is highly sought after as a keynote speaker and a corporate trainer and literally has spoke to hundreds of thousands of listeners and audiences across the world. In this conversation, we go down lots of paths as I love to do. And so without any further delays, let's get this show started. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, Patrick, thank you for having me here. I'm excited to add value to your audience. It's going to be a great time with you, man. So thanks for hosting me. You know, I always like to lead into these conversations because is your bio does an okay job, but, you know, let's do a really great job of uh, sharing with listeners who you are. So uh, I always lead with the question of, you know, when people walk up and say, so, Danielle, what do you do? Uh, what's your answer to that question? I do everything. No, Patrick, what I do is I help people see their true value. You know, I speak all over the world. And I really realized that when I was in England speaking last February, how many people in that audience undervalued themselves, they undervalued who they were. And when I really go out there and really connect one-on-one -on -one with the audience, it's letting them know that, hey, you have more value than you realize, Patrick. So that's what I do. I help businesses, organizations, and entrepreneurs see their, see, right, grow and scale because I help them see their value of what they have to offer is more priceless than they ever thought it was. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. You know, when we talk about value and helping people see their value, uh, you've been in business long enough, you're a coach, you're a business coach, uh, and, you know, to individuals as well as groups. And both you and I all often will see as coaches that, and by the way, we're guilty of it too, is where we, the only people in our way of having the success or the vision that we want to live is us. So we get in our own way and there's lots of reasons we get in our own way. But when you talk about not seeing value, how do you break it down? If you were saying, okay, well, here's how I describe that. Can you describe it for us? The thing is this, Patrick, is most people have a poor self-image. They have a poor minded self-image. And the thing is, this is the self-image of ourselves. It's its limitations. Most most limits that we set for ourselves, they're self-imposed mm -hmm. because we have a poor self-image. And think about this. As a child, we would go to the store and we would see tennis shoes and we would see that toy and, and we would say, dad, mom, I want that toy. I want that. I want those tennis. Actually, I don't think your mom or dad ever said, no, son, don't get those shoes that are more expensive. No, they said, get the ones that are on sale mm -hmm. and we're conditioned and hardwired to buy what's on sale. And, and that word sell cues us into action. And we become like robots because the thing is this, is that the marketplace knows that. But in doing that, our self-image contracts and contracts and it never, it never grows into who we were born to be. So the main thing is that, is that we help business owners realize that you got to grow your self-image. You got to grow your self-esteem from the inside and really believe in the fact that you can have a millionaire self-image and become the person that you were destined to be from the day of birth, because right, we don't know right or wrong when we're born. All we know is what we're taught as children. 
And when the environment as we grow up in, we believe this. So in return, we never value ourselves because all we hear is, is, is the words that we, that they, someone says, oh, well, they bought a new Corvette or they bought a new house. Oh, now they think they're all good. They have a better house than this. No, we're never taught this also. And I, I can, I, I, this is, I hear this everywhere. As children, we're never taught and conditioned to celebrate others, Patrick. So how does somebody recognize and where do we bring our awareness to? So in other words, uh, you know, we see people that, or you are working with people that are bumping up against whatever ceiling of limitation they have, whatever uh, created that ceiling of limitation. I 100% concur. It is always, you know, the environment that we were raised in that gives us the perspective of the world that we carry forward with us into uh, our adult life and then our money-making years, our business, our careers, et cetera. And so if you're, you know, working with somebody or you're looking or somebody's listening to this, you know, what should they be asking themselves, you know, because generally, you know, the whole context of the Everyday Millionaire podcast is seemingly ordinary individuals achieving extraordinary things. People listen to this and hopefully they go, well, gosh, if he can do it, I can do it. Uh, that was a really interesting conversation. Look what he did. And he didn't come from the lucky sperm club. They just happened to be really great. And holy cow, did they ever evolve and change? And they got rid of excuses. So now as somebody's listening to this particular conversation that you and I are having, we're considering that, Daniel, you have an expertise in supporting people of getting out of their own way of uh, understanding that their limitations are self-imposed. But how do we question that? How would you coach somebody or have somebody look at what's going on for them to ask questions or to ask themselves, uh, how, how come I can't make more money? Or what is it that's in my way of having the dreams and the vision that I want? So I know that's a really kind of long-winded question, but maybe you can just take us on that journey of somebody who's questioning, what the hell, how come I can't do more, have more, be more? That's an amazing question. And I love it. Thank you for asking me these tough questions because it makes me dig a little bit deeper because the truth is this, is that it starts there, what you just said, what you just asked. You have to ask yourself those tough questions. You got to look in the mirror and ask yourself questions that we're not used to asking ourselves. As, as children in school, if you think about this, we're, we're taught, we have teachers that teach us. We're not coached. We're not engaged with that. They, as kids, they tell us this, Patrick, be quiet. Don't talk too much. You're going to go to the principal. And the moment we start to ask questions, they shut us down, be quiet, and we're not taught engagement. So I really teach people to engage with themselves and ask themselves these tough questions. When you start working with me, we, if we're doing a one-on-one -on -one millionaire life coaching, right? We, we, we ask your, we, we give you a self-assessment, the millionaire self-assessment. If it's a business assessment, we send you the business version, which is kind of about the same foundation, but there are just some tweaks in that. And I ask you, this is one of the questions I ask you, Patrick, is, is right, is on a scale of one to 10, how much does Patrick value himself? Because if Patrick values himself at a level five, his business is never going to go above a level four because that's the lid, right? Because the, the, the value is there. And this is the key that people need to hear. If you're a business owner, the marketplace is going to reward you according to the value you deliver to it. So if you're only delivering $50,000 a year worth of value to the marketplace, that's what you're going to get back in return. So, so we go deep underneath the surface level, right? You have a top soil. The top soil is always nice and right. It's easy to cultivate the top soil, but, when you start getting deeper into that deeper soil, what happens to it, Patrick? It gets harder. It gets rocky. And the same little shovel that used to be able to cultivate the soil, man, now you need a bigger shovel. Then you, and then you need a trench. Well, we go to the trenches and people cry. People get frustrated. Many times people want to quit because they don't want to deal with the reality. And maybe in some people, it, it, this comes up a lot, especially for men. They got the shame. They got the guilt. They got the resentment. They have that unforgiveness that, that they carry with them. And this, what, the, what happens is when they hit that upper limit, when they hit that glass ceiling, now they start to self-impose and self-sabotage and they start to self-destruct. So that's one of the things we, we really ask you that question and we go deeper in that in the assessment when we do the initial onboarding call. And the second thing is, is, is in our book, the, the, the Makings of a Millionaire Mind, I talk about the financial set point. Everyone here has a financial set point listening or watching this amazing podcast with our great host is, is this, is that for instance, I'll give you an example. If someone's working at a hardware store, they've been at a hardware store for 10 years and they've been making, we'll just say $3,000 a month. So financial set point, $3,000 a month 
times 12, right? So that's $36,000 a year. That's your financial set point, 3,000 a month, 36,000 a year. You come into a sales position, because I've seen, because I do a lot of, lot of sales training. You got, you got, we'll say his name is Joe. Joe comes in, Joe rock and rolls. Joe does, man, he just has that energy. He's excited because he wants to really, he really, really wants the will. He has the will and wants to change. So he makes $5,000 a first month. Second month, boom, $7,000. Usually by the third or fourth month, what happens? They're like, oh, this is what they used to say. Oh, now he thinks he knows it all. No, what, what, what your interior financial standpoint is saying is this. I made $5,000 the first month, $7,000 the second month. I've already made $12,000. The third month, what happens? Sometimes the income starts to taper off because the subconscious mind is saying, we've already made $12,000. You made $3,000 a month. You've already made four months worth of salary. So we let the foot off the gas and we start to self-sabotage. The biggest form of imposter syndrome and self-sabotage is this procrastination. I see it all the time. It's not that they don't want to do the, 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 the things. They, they, they want to, but they have the skills, but they don't have, right? They don't have the self-image to support, the capacity to receive. I call it, right, receiving at higher levels. And, and that's one thing that I really help people work with is, hey, raise that by that point and we work on that. And it's, it's, I mean, people cry because they don't realize all the junk that's inside of them, Patrick. So it really is a journey of self-awareness, self-discovery that you take them on. And, you know, because you're familiar with and I'm familiar with and we've both experienced it personally. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But ultimately, when you think about self-sabotage, when you think about the value that, you know, somebody brings and then the imposter syndrome, you you know, you kind of hit all those trigger, all those points. But there's also the other side of that, which is how do we... Or how do you support people in not having and being the victim to their circumstance? So in other words, you know, we see that often is that my self-sabotage, my, we'll call it our financial thermostat, if you will, is based on, well, you know, I had a really shitty upbringing. I was only raised in a single mom or my dad was abusive or I have a whole story around why I can't be better than I am today. You see that. I'm, I want to dig into, like, we've got listeners that are going to self-assess, you know, so we're going to have people that are going, okay, well, am I getting in my own way? What the hell? Have I got a financial thermostat that keeps kicking in because I'm making, uh, you know, X amount of dollars and I only value myself at that. I only value myself at 50 grand a year or a hundred grand a year. I mean, gosh, I'm making a hundred grand a year. That's awesome. And then the next thing you know, it's like, am I really worth a hundred grand a year? Is that, is that that internal dialogue that people can spot or give me some, some tips into if I'm, if, if we have listeners that are self-assessing, what should they be considering? Well, this is the thing is there's different forms of self-sabotaging. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples, right? We all have neural pathways. We all, we all have these neural pathways that are there and, and they're trying to connect, but they're not connecting because it's already there. I mean, cause it's, it already exists in us. But it just doesn't, it, it kind of flickers, but it doesn't catch because then what happens is we, we either start to drink alcohol because we chart, we write, we use the wrong coping, me coping mechanisms, cope with alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's food for some people. Maybe it's shopping, right? They, I've met that person that, that they earn 10,000 a month and they're spending 12,000 a month. And maybe for other people, it's, it's women, right? Or men, they have a, they have an affair and they self-sabotage themselves and they don't even realize it because it's happening under the ground and it's really assessing like man why do i always go have that drink and and i'm guilty of that right because i grew up my dad used to drink beer almost every weekend and even though i quit drinking beer i realized man i'm coping with wine right I, if something would get tough and it's a long day i'm just gonna have a glass of wine innocent you don't think about it that one glass of wine leads to another glass of wine and another glass of wine and then you're like man it's all you all we're doing is putting poison in our body and even though we know this, we still do it because it's a way we're right. Hey, the, the bad thing is this 21 days, it starts, right? 21 days, you start forming a habit. 90 days, it becomes a lifestyle. When you're in that first part of it, it's easy to kind of break away from that. Well, once it's a lifestyle, that's where you really got to be intentional and you need this, you need the big A, you need accountability. So accountability being, for example, a trainer in the gym, a business coach, a group of people that you're holding, or you actually have said, 
tell you what, let's be accountability partners. We're going to check in once a week, once a day, once a month, whatever that might be. But it really is a way to hold up a mirror going, am I being and committing to what I said? And am I actually showing up that way? And am I following through on what I say I'm going to do? Let's, you know, there's an interesting thing that you said about neural pathways that are connecting. You know, many years ago, I was working with a individual who had his own little business. It's kind of a solopreneur, if you will, a little entrepreneur. Uh, didn't have a team yet. Was trying to grow his business, and he was making sixty grand a year in his business. He was able to pay himself sixty grand. And I said, "Well, why aren't you making a hundred? Like, why can't you take it to a hundred grand?" He even had trouble saying that. It was an astronomical amount of money. And talk about neural pathways. And I didn't have that language that many years ago. But I said to him, I said, you got to get comfortable saying I'm going to make 100 grand this year. My goal is to make 100 grand. Every time you talk to somebody that you're into a conversation with about how much money you get making, your wife, or it doesn't matter, just say, you know, 100 grand. Because he wasn't even comfortable saying $100,000 a year as income personal income that he's going to put in his bank account. And it took weeks for him to get to the point where he could say $100,000, not trip over it, not feel uncomfortable with it. It was actually starting to roll off his tongue. Long story short, within 18 months, he made 180 grand. And it was really connecting those neural pathways is what I read it as when I listen to somebody like you that says, you've got to be able to say those numbers. you got to be able to uh, really give them some depth, if you will, inside. You got to, at a cellular level, get the fact that you're worth a hundred grand a year. You're worth 150. You can do that. Now, I'm not trying to put words like I'm going, am I off, am I off course in that conversation? Am I off path given your experience and your training and what you do, Daniel? Well, the, th the thing is this, that many people so there's, that was a good, that was a good example because there's so much packed into what you just, a statement you just made. First of all, this, this is a mistake that we make, right? We leave, I, I do a big old training called kill the employee mindset, right? Cause you gotta, you gotta kill that damn employee mindset. We leave that nine to five job. We leave that nine to five job and we become here an entrepreneur. We think it's cool being our Starbucks, being on a computer and, and we get content there just being at Starbucks and playing our computer. Like in our mind, I'm an entrepreneur because Everybody on social media and their grandma posts that picture with their Apple computer, their laptop in front of them, and we think it's cool. But it's half of those people are broke, man. And and the thing is, you got to start seeing yourself as a successful businessman or woman. So the thing is, this when you leave that nine to five and you're here in that middle, like you're saying, this is this. When I ask this question, over ninety percent of people answer it the same exact way, maybe with a little bit of different words. I'll say, Patrick, okay, great. You left your nine to five job. You're making $60,000 a year to reference that gentleman you're talking about. How much do you want to make this year? And you know what? 90% of them say 60,000. 60 grand. Because that's what they left, right? They did. That's, that's what they conditioned themselves because that's what they left as a nine to fiver. Mm -hmm. Instead of leaving their job of 60,000 a year and really saying, you know what? I'm going to make a million dollars this year, or a quarter million dollars this year. They set the bar at 60,000 and then that becomes their financial set point. And in their mind, this is what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. I escaped the nine to five. I'm winning. I started my entrepreneur journey. I have a small business. I made 60,000. I'm not in that cubicle. I'm winning. I'm good. And they get content there. And right off the bat, many plateau. And that's where the self-sabotage starts because they never reach higher. They don't give themselves permission to make more money or dream bigger. That's a huge part of what I see every single time, Patrick, that they do. I see that over and over again. It's so fascinating, isn't it? And I'm going to, I don't want to, like, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent that speaks to this, I think. I, I just like your view, given the expertise you have. You know, I learned many years ago that ego is the enemy. You know, that was the title of a book. But the point is that when we get into our ego, it's it's really most people think ego is about arrogance. That's where they often will go. You know, he's full of ego or he's got a huge ego. And, but really, ego is, in fact, related to our identity. And, you know, our ego needs to protect itself. And one of the things that we hear is that we see, we observe somebody who's playing small. They're smart. They're competent. They're reliable. But they actually play small partially because of environment they were brought up in. They don't have that confidence. They don't believe in themselves. They have imposter syndrome. But in, in essence, that is 
from my definition or the way I would look at that and assess it perhaps is that ego is getting in the way. Ego is trying to protect itself in the, for example, even the, we'll call it a tall poppy syndrome, which is a popular term in Australia, but it's like, don't get too out there. Like don't get too big for your britches kind of thing. Is, 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 am I along the path in terms of things that you see? Is this something that, you know, you would guide somebody to kind of pay attention to is that, we're trying to protect ourselves. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be shamed. I know with in my world of uh, coaching real estate investors, for example, I say, well, what's in your way? And they go, I'm just afraid of failure. And I go, bullshit. I go, I call bullshit. Here's what you're afraid of. You're afraid of not getting the outcome that you say you want and then being judged by your friends, your family, your peers. And, you know, because it is so rare to have a catastrophic failure. We can get our ass handed to us. It could cost us a lot of money, but ultimately a catastrophic failure is really tough to hit. And not that it can't happen, but there's a lot of corrections that can be put in along the way. So my fundamental is like, okay, go, let me ask you this. You know, you're here, you've told people that you want to be a real estate investor. They've said to you, what are you nuts getting into real estate? Like, don't you know there's a real estate bubble and do you, do you want to do it? You know, you're going to deal with tenants and toilets. So right away, it's planting the seeds of, holy shit, if I don't pay this off or pull this off, I'm going to be really embarrassed. I'm going to carry a bunch of shame around. That's the subconscious. So that's long-winded. What's, your, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that, Daniel? Well, there's so much you said. Man, I just, I'm loving this conversation because, right, we're really bringing out the best in each other. So the first thing is this, is, is, that, is, is that your dream is for you, ladies and gentlemen. Your freaking dream is for you. That dream of being a real estate investor, that dream of being a motivational speaker, that dream of being a barbershop owner, a bakery owner, whatever it is you want to do, whether you're in the States, in Europe, over whatever it is, that dream is for you. So if you have a dream to own a spa, you got to protect your dream and you can't share that dream with everybody because they're not going to understand. They're not going to comprehend. When I first started my business, I came out as a straight up motivational speaker and people thought I was dumb because I was walking away from a quarter million dollar a year job. I'm saying again, a quarter million dollar a year job, $250,000. Mm-hmm. But in, in my life, my wife is diagnosed with breast cancer. She decided to have a double mastectomy. And, and the reason I left my career in the first place was to take care of my wife. And, and as I was there on the couch, just really looking at Jerry Springer, taking all, all this trash TV, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And as I'm watching this, I'm like, man, this is no good. And my wife's recovering from her first two major surgeries of eight, then I go to the mirror one day and I'm like, I don't like this guy in the mirror. And the truth is we never deal with the truth of the person in the mirror. We just kind of put makeup on it, get a haircut, and and we don't deal with the real issues, like I said, that are way below the surface. So so I say this because when the moment came and I, and I heard God just say this, I want you to go be a motivational speaker, like I just believed it. I was crazy enough to know it because the whole thing is this, the whole past part of our lives is preparing us for our greatness because we all have a gift mm-hmm. and people are going to laugh at you before they applaud you ladies and gentlemen i want you to hear that people are going to applaud you are going to laugh at you before they applaud you mm-hmm. but even though my own family to this day you know how many family members i have that have bought a book for me out of i've sold thousands and thousands of books maybe one has bought one. i'm not aware of none in all seriousness yeah I'm just being totally honest. And does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. But you got to learn to get over that and not take crap personal. That's the number one rule to promotion and getting growing and scaling your business. Stop taking that stuff personally. Now, to go back to what you said, is, is this is that is that as kids, what happens is is this is what happens. We'll just say that 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 you're Johnny Boy and Johnny Boy's the 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 all-star basketball player and he's the youngest. We'll just say he's the youngest. Johnny has two bigger brothers and Johnny gets home. Dad, Patrick, man, I got the, I made it to the, to the all-star team, dad. I'm excited. And then Johnny's mom says, Johnny, even though your brother didn't make the team, don't be bragging, son. Don't be bragging. Your big brother didn't make it. So right off the bat, Johnny's just excited. He's up about nine and they're making him dim his light. They're making him dim his light. And he's not allowed to celebrate what he's really grateful for as a kid, as a teenager. And then again, he carries that, mom, dad, guess what? I got, I got accepted to Yale. Yeah, I got accepted to Yale. Little Johnny, you know, your big brother's only made it to local college. Don't be bragging. 
And they're lost for words at that moment. And then there's some point where they say, screw it, I'm not going to even bring anything up. Now we graduated from college. Now we're in the real world. Patrick's my supervisor. Patrick says, come on, let's go. I believe in you. But I'm already conditioned like the elephant in the circus to sway left and right. I'm strong enough to break that cable right now. But I've been conditioned to dim my light. Mm. The opportunity comes to become a real estate investor. And I don't take it because I was taught in a sense that I'm not good enough to do it. So interesting. I love that term, uh, been conditioned to dim my light. You know, in working with so many investors over the years, like literally thousands of investors over the years that I've worked with, one-on-one, one-on-many, like you from stage, you know, really trying to get a message out there. We start to see, and I love that dim your light because there's a, there's a phrase that I like to use and I'll often remind people is that, you know, confidence is seldom owned. It's almost always borrowed. And as a kid growing up, we look to gain confidence from our parents. To your point, ah, I've made the team or I've, I, I've, I've graduated and I'm going to Harvard, whatever the story is. To your point, parents are intending, they're intention, they're, they're well-intended, but they're not aware of what they're trying to do. And ultimately, you don't want your kids to lose confidence. You don't want anybody around you to lose that confidence. What they don't realize is humility can be taught later and honor what the achievement is, celebrate the win, and then guide and coach humility. And that doesn't mean self-deprecating necessarily. That's something I think character that evolves over time. But how you can teach humility. It is really hard for people to support and gain and help people gain that confidence by celebrating the win, acknowledging it. Yeah, you kicked your brother's ass, good for you. But realizing that you can circle back later to teach humility and how to be humble, how to also honor the brother and support the brother later. And again, it's like all of these subtle things that you see as a coach in the space that you play in, uh, this got to show up for you a lot, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking. And that's part of what you're dealing with is the, like, we'll call it trauma, I guess, in some you know degrees of trauma, if you will. But that's yes. actually traumatic. We don't even know that we're at the effect of it until we get a little older, a little wiser, and we go, holy cow, I'm carrying around a bunch of old stories. What I call our BS, which is our belief systems, right? And those belief systems, as I'm sure that you spot, are really conditioned into us. And it's our job to look at it and maybe question the belief systems. Back to what we talked about, Daniel, is you give people a lot of questions to answer because you need to bust those belief systems. And you as the coach have to know what they are. Is that an accurate kind of statement of what you do and how you do it? Yeah. And I love what you said, because I always say that, right? Because if people look at me like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, you got to get rid of the BS, man. You got to get rid of the BS. Yeah. Right, they're not used to it here in America. They're like, uh, uh oh, that's no, like the belief system. You got to get rid of that belief system that no longer serves you. And how do you do that? I love the word that you said earlier. It all ties back to that nine to five identity over here. Mm-hmm. And if your identity is as a mechanic, if your identity is as a baker, if your identity is as a hairstylist, and you come here, you never fully embody the, the identity of a full-blown, successful business owner. Screw the entrepreneur. Thousands of entrepreneurs start every single year. Within five years, 90% are out of business. If you want to become a successful business owner is what you want to become. That's that's your ultimate goal. And and you've got to deal with those issues. And, and I love what you said. And, and one thing that I really hope people understand is this, is that everything can change for you. I love what the great Zig Ziglar says. It's not where you start in life. It's where you finish. And many people, this is another thing, is, is your character has to grow with you also, is that everybody wants that seven-figure house. You can't have a seven-figure house and be a $100 man or woman. You can't have a seven-figure business and be a $1,000 man or woman. It doesn't work that way. It's not sustainable. You might, you, you might right, bike one day, one year, but if you're not going to make it, you're going to self-sabotage, you're going to self-implode because you don't have the character to handle that type of blessing, that type of business, that size of it. 
You know, I, I haven't read your book, but I have listened to you a little bit of your stuff. And I know one of the things that you're pretty passionate about in supporting people is, you know, when you want to look at where you want to get to, whether it be that millionaire, multimillionaire, business owner, in my case, you know, what we talk a lot about real estate investing and entrepreneurship, that's the outcome. And, you know, there's a common meme that I think people don't necessarily understand or they don't remember it, which is along the lines of, it's not the outcome, it's who you need to be, who you need to become to achieve the outcome. And you know, back to what you just said, which is you can't be a millionaire if you're operating on top of being a hundred thousandaire and that's where you're making decisions from, that's who you're trying to evolve to be. It really is about your own evolution as an individual. And I know that you speak that to that a lot. I mean, even in this conversation, you know, underlying all of the things we've talked about is really about who are you needing to become to achieve that outcome, which means eliminating the BS, getting rid of those belief systems, having the awareness to understand that you're operating on top of those belief systems, even considering the fact that you have this financial thermostat that you hit, the ceiling of limitation that you hit. So really the game of achieving what's next is about self-development. I always am of the belief that when you develop the self, you then also look and say, I'll develop the skills as I go along. They're two different things. There's that professional development, skill development, but character is, you know, in are you reliable? Are you gaining competence? Are you willing and reliable in gaining the competence? That's a personal development side of the thing. And also getting out of your stories. So tell us a little bit from your perspective, Daniel, when we talk about who you need to become to achieve that result. And I know I kind of recapped some of it, but how do you view it? Well, I call it the journey of becoming. It's the journey of becoming from here to beginning to becoming that millionaire, multimillionaire. And who do you need to become on this journey? Mm -hmm. and, and there's so many traits that need to change, so many things that need to grow within yourself. And, and it's, it's really just realizing this is that there's nothing that you can accomplish once you deal with the real you. This is a mistake that we make. We think that we can take the old us to our future life and we can't. Mm. Your, your, your new life is going to cost you your old life. There's going to come a point, and this is where many people self-sabotage right here in the middle, is, is they don't turn their back on their old life. Mm. You, it's, your new life is going to cost your old life. And people don't really realize what that means because this is it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to stop running back to the familiar. You have to stop running back to the familiar. We rubber band back to the familiar, and it costs us. We're, we're so close. We're so close. And I'm guilty of that. Believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of doing this myself. Mm -hmm. But you got to understand that as you're on this journey of becoming, that it's going to be painful, that you're going to cry, that you might even break a couple of wine glasses. It's going to cost you a lot of friendships because you have to give yourself permission to outgrow people. The same people I started my journey with five years ago, I don't even associate with them. Not that I'm better than them, but they're not on my path. Mm-hmm. So many times we try to hold on to relationships that, that, that don't serve our future, that, 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 right? They're not meant to go. They're not destined to go where you're going. And that's one of the biggest, that's another huge thing that I see people do. And then they try to do it on themselves and they don't hire a Patrick. They don't hire a Daniel because why do you want to lose 10 years when you can concentrate that and really get it done in, in a year to two years when you work with somebody who knows what they're doing? It's such an interesting conversation, I think, Daniel. You know, my wife, uh, Stephanie, is a mental performance coach, world-class and Olympic-class. She's been to, I think she's going, will end up going to her fourth Olympics. She works with, uh, in the skating industry, figure skating industry with dance teams and has worked with NHL hockey players and has a whole career of mental performance and supporting others, in, not only in their mental performance, but training in their physical. So the 
the physical performance is a manifestation of tweaking and understanding the mental performance side of it, which is an interesting conversation on its own. But to our point, or this conversation that you just shone a light on, which is we want to change, but we don't want to, we, so we want a different result, but we don't want to change. We want to hang on to the past. We literally just, we do a podcast uh, that is a spinoff of The Everyday Millionaire, which is The Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters. So we do a Mindset Matters. We just literally had released a podcast called The New Era, Entering a New Era. And how do you enter a new era with grace, with positivity? Because when we look at, let's say, globally, when we look at societal culture coming out of what we've been through the past three or four years, you start to realize the great divides of all of that. But if you're kind of into the world of saying, well, we're going from the third turning to the fourth turning, seems to be a popular understanding for many, or at least a common understanding. We're entering a new era at a global level. But we go through eras in our life. We, you know, from our 20s to our 30s to our 50s, maybe we have a divorce and we get remarried. Uh, maybe there's a death in the family and all of a sudden we're living life without a significant other or out a parent, whatever that might be. My point is this. We can either face the future knowing and saying, this is a new era. I'm going to embrace it. It could be a new career. This is a new era. I'm no longer that. I'm no, you know, where's my identity attached? Am I really connected? Is my identity built around what I do or is it built around who I am? And when we go from one era to the next, we can either face backwards and kind of push back and go, no, I want to keep it where it is. Or we actually face the new era and say, where's the opportunity? Where's the possibilities? And, you know, it's such an interesting dynamic that people face in change. And I love what you pointed out, which is, am I, you know, I say it this way, are you willing to be misunderstood in the context of your life? Because people knew you as X, you're evolving to Y, and that's going to piss them off because now you in the relationship don't serve them the way you used to serve them. So I just find it a fascinating conversation, this conversation of change. People saying, I want to change, but I, I don't want to let go. I'll, let me just carry all this shit forward with me. I'll, you know, I got all this baggage. Let me bring it. How does that work? And, and so I don't know where I'm going if there's a specific question in that, Daniel, but when you look at and kind of enter it from that place, this change, how are you suggesting to people that they actually, are they willing to be misunderstood in the new context of their life as they evolve and change? Because you're right. I think it, Sometimes relationship, we don't pick our family. It's like you, you know, it's like you, you know, my family didn't even buy my book. What the hell? Right. You know, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. The least they could do. Is None say, of my books. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> mad at the world right you now. I have, I have a, I have the perfect mind hack for what we're talking. Cause I think everybody's relatable to this. Write this down. Ladies and gentlemen, life is a series of seasons mm. and all seasons come to an end. And as the season of summer comes to an end, you're not going to wear shorts and flip-flops into the winter season. No, because people will look at you crazy. The same way as we come out of that winter season, you're not going to wear a oversized coat to keep warm into the beach. So understand as you come out of every season, you're going to be dressing and acting differently and carrying yourself differently. Mm-hmm. As you go from season to season, from winter to spring, summer to fall and it reoccurs all over again that's how life happens and the thing is the longer you try to hold on to a season in your life in your business that it's already time to go to the next season that's where the frustration sits and that's where all the anger sets in because you're not growing and developing your you're, you're you're going back to what you're comfortable with and that's not healthy that's interesting i'd you know, years ago, there was a metaphor or analogy, depending on how you want to do it, there's stories around it, that ultimately, as we go through the seasons of life, the seasons of business, there is, in fact, you know, spring where you're planting seeds. And, you know, it's the old story is we don't look at the garden that we planted today and walk out in the morning and expect those seeds to have grown. You know, there is a time where we plant those seeds and we go through the process of nurturing. We go into the summer of making sure that they're watered and they're getting the sun. And there is really a nurturing process. We don't harvest until the fall. And then in winter, like 
most things, we kind of hibernate a little bit. We just go through the TikTok of certain things, depending on what your business is, for example. But ultimately, it is a kind of a, a cool analogy for how we approach business, how we approach life in our own life. You know, we go through these phases in life that maybe sometimes we can take a little pressure off ourselves and just give ourselves a break, perhaps, Without making excuses, that's the problem, you know, <laughs> is that I'm right now, I'm planting seeds. I'm harvest. I'm not ready to harvest yet. I've got to continue to nurture this garden along. Anyways, I don't know where I'm going with that, but a no, random you, thought. You're right, though, because there's, there's, the audience has to understand that there's a season for sowing and there's a season for reaping. And no one wants to sow. They just want to reap all the time. And it doesn't, even I go to the administration, I, when, when I do my sales training, I, I, I I always start with social media. I use kind of the, the, the wave analogy, right? You ride the wave first month, second month, third month. Eventually that wave's going to come down mm -hmm. and the wave's going to go back up. But, you know, you, 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 there, there's has to come a, a time to replenish yourself and then you take off again. Like, honestly, this, right now, this month of May, man, this first 12 days has been, I don't want to say, use the word horrific. I'm being kind of, dramatic there but it to me it is i'm like i figured i'd be so much more ahead and we just have stuff going on within our team with the one of my employees and it's part of growth so you gotta go to that yeah go to the next level and people don't understand that and it's hard i mean believe me it's it's not easy man. like i told you earlier i wasn't feeling well i said you know what sometimes you gotta detach from work and just take a nap rest your body because we think we're machines and we can go 24 hours a day seven days a week and that's one of the biggest lies that we hear from some of these influencers. Hey, rise and grind, rise and grind. Who wants to rise and grind and become a millionaire? That's that's not even sexy at all. That's you're gonna kill yourself. Mm -hmm. But we it's we so buy true. into that lie and, and instead of what do we rise and what right? What do we arise and receive, right? If we magnetically charge ourselves to attract all the opportunities that are destined for us. And within due season, we're sowing the seed, we're making the connections, building relationships, doing the right ethical, right millionaire-minded integrity decisions that we need to make. This is this is one else. I don't know who needs to hear this, but somebody needs to hear this on the show. You're wondering why your business isn't growing? It's because you're not reporting all your income. What do you mean by that? Well, they're trying to cheat the IRS, right? <laughs> you, you, you what brings me to mind? If what comes to mind right now is I had this one small business that I was coaching and I'm like, okay, well, is this your revenue? Yeah. There's no way. Hey, I'm looking at the facilities. I'm looking at what they're doing. I, I, I just, common sense. If you know what you're looking at. I said, what revenue are we missing? They go, that's it. I go, does anybody pay you cash? Oh yeah. How often? How much? Well, I'm like, no, like, come on. Like you, you Hired me to help you. You got, you got to trust me. They weren't reporting 25% of their business, almost 30%. I go, why not? Well, because we don't want to pay taxes because the IRS is, we're, they're cheating us. No, you're cheating them. Like, God sees everything you're doing. That's why your business is struggling. Mm. Somebody needs to hear that. That's like, you, you got to be ethical. You got to be a man and a woman of integrity. The, the right, the creator doesn't love this on scales. That, that's why people go out of business because. Shortcuts equal short paycheck. Short paycheck equal businesses out of business in five years. And you wonder why your business isn't because you have that scarcity mindset. You listen to that negativity and then you go take business advice from your uncle Joe, which is a plumber, right? At, at, the, at the school district and doesn't even have his own business. No, nothing against plumbers, but I'm just saying as an example, you, you're seeking the wrong counsel and, and it's costing you your business. And, you're not, you're the main thing is you're not being a person of integrity and God's not going to bless that. Okay. So I love that conversation and I want to kind of tap into it. I'm going to get there, but I want to go back because I don't want to step over something. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. This is your journey. And this is the journey that showed up for you when your wife diagnosed with cancer, had to go through all of the treatments and all the things. So is that where you started the journey or where did you 
start your journey? Like, how did you find yourself here being that coach, being that public speaker? Where, and I know that, and I want to, and I'm going to ask you this question. I heard what you said, you know, you got a message from God. And what does a message from God sound like? Is it a voice from the ceiling? Is it a meditation that just comes really clear? Tell me, because I've heard the phrase before and, you know, God just told me. Give me a description of God telling you something. Can you describe it, Daniel? For me, I was getting dressed to go for an interview. My wife had been home already for a couple of months, recovering from her surgery. And as I was going to my tie rack, I found this old email from an old counselor because there's always a preparation stage for our future five, 10 years ahead of ours. Of us. We don't realize it, but our, our, our life five years ago, 10 years ago is preparing us for the day. And when I found this email, at the time I was running a Chevrolet dealership. I still wear my Chevrolet ring. And I would go give out these awards to the youth. One day I go give out an award. I'm like, here you go, cheese, I'm done. Principal goes, can he say some words to the students? I'm like, oh no, I don't do that. I just take pictures. I just, right? I'm not, I didn't say it in that way, but she goes, it'd be awesome if you could say something. I said, ma'am, forgive me, but I didn't prepare anything. I would rather be prepared. So I go sit down and I can feel it in my heart. So this is the, the voice of God. My intuition speaks to me. Daniel, you just spoke on, on attitude at, at work, the dealership. Talk about attitude. I said, ma'am, you know, I can speak on attitude for 10 minutes. Was that's okay with you? She's like, yeah, sure. 30 minutes later, I have 300 students yelling and screaming. I'm a winner. I'm a champion. I love myself. I believe in myself. And it was crazy. Energy. Two weeks later, I get this email that I found five years later in my bin. As I'm reading it, who is this car guy? They sent it to the counselor, one of the parents. Who is this car guy that came and spoke to our students? My son is running around the house, yelling and screaming, looking in the mirror, saying, I love myself. I believe in myself. I'm like, oh, crap, what did I do? Tell him I said, thank you. EJ has never been happier. He puts on the Chevrolet cap, and he says, I love you. And I was like, wow, I just started crying when I read that. I didn't, I didn't cry the first time I read it five years ago, but... At that season of my life, I said, wow. When I read that, that's when I felt the prompting of, of God's voice just say, I want you to be a motivational speaker. Because I was prepared for that moment. And many times, we undermine, going back to what I said about, right? 90% of us, most of us, we undervalue ourselves. Since we undervalue ourselves, we undermine the things we do. We think everybody's doing it. And the truth is not everybody's doing what we're doing. We, we assume they are, but they're not. Mm -hmm. It's interesting in that you say that. I know when I, you know, launched the Everyday Millionaire podcast on the audio side of it seven years ago, it was like, uh, do I really want to do this? And will I succeed? And who the hell am I in terms of, and then I realized, well, the podcast isn't about me. It's about my guests. It's about sharing and having and opening the door to people like yourself who are coming on just, you know, how I often say seemingly ordinary, having achieved extraordinary. And I've had some amazing, amazing guests that share on their journey and share what they do in business and how they got there and all the rest of it. But I never thought, so literally as we sit here today, and then my wife and I, Stephanie, launched our Mindset Matters part of that podcast a year and a half ago or so. And with no kind of, we're just going, okay, well, let's just do a 30 minute thing on mindset because we know that it is, you know, lots of people go, just tell me how, tell me how, tell me how. And it isn't, you know, show me how, tell me the math, give me an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, tell me the steps to take to make a million dollars. And we know, and you know, that so much of that is actually pretty straightforward. The challenge we face is the mental game and how do we look after ourselves? How do we step into that growth mindset versus a fixed mindset? Or how do we set ourselves up mentally to prepare for the steps that we have to take as entrepreneurs? Because we really speak from an entrepreneurial an entrepreneurial space. That's not to say that we don't have some great, great uh, listeners who have got great careers and clients and all the rest of it. Long story short that literally tens of thousands of listeners later, like hundreds of thousands, actually this many later, I look at it and I go, who would have thought that that would be that? But it's to your point, we think everybody knows this stuff and actually, no, they know it, 
they just don't know that they know it. And they need to hear conversations like this to spark that, oh, you know something? That's me. That's where I'm in my way. That's where I'm stuck. You're no different than me. You read, you listen to stuff and it's inspirational. It's motivational. You're listening to other professionals in the space that going, oh yeah, you know something? I'm still doing that shit. I got to work through it. Like it is a funny journey that we go on to be in the space that we play in, right? And all, and it's just an interesting kind of view of the world that we take on as well. I want to go back, and I don't want to step over the conversation a little bit more. Uh, thanks for sharing me with us on that conversation around with God. Like, I've heard that many times, and because I meditate, I hear and I get different messages, and they show up in this kind of weird way, and I just know, oh, that's the topic I got to hit on, or that's the direction I got to go. But you also have to take time to meditate, by the way, just a little <laughs> putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> you need to. Uh, and I'm not, and I'm guilty of not being consistent with it. But I do know that I get to a point where I go, no, I've got to get back to doing some meditation. I've got to get back to doing what looks after me. And uh, that takes discipline as well, because it's easy to be distracted in a busy life when you want to achieve a lot of stuff. And when you're fighting fires as an entrepreneur, for example. But I'll go back a little bit here on this conversation. And I think these messages are so important. Uh, you come from the experience of your wife having breast cancer. Give me a little bit of background on that. How did that impact you, your family? Uh, certainly, you know, you dealt with it as a couple. Uh, is there any insights that you would give to listeners in terms of don't put it off? And let me give you a little backstory on that. A good friend of mine, professional hockey player, was the captain of Toronto Maple Leafs. His wife passed away from colon cancer. And, you know, he likes to get the message out there that, you know, listen, you get to that certain age, that 40, 50-year-old, you know, you need to go for that, that test, whatever that test might be for you. And I really relate to it. I have lost two sisters to colon cancer. I myself dealt with some things not with colon cancer because I was preemptive. But the point is this, there's a message in there that for me, which is don't ignore. And especially when it comes to colon cancer, it is the most curable cancer there is, I think. And you shouldn't, no, pre, you can detect it before it happens. In other words, get in front of it and you're not dealing with it. That's the whole point of that. So that's a message I can give to somebody. When you think about breast cancer, what you and your wife went through, is there a message there? Is there a lesson learned in all of that, uh, Daniel, that you would share? Well, the thing is, this is that the check engine light was on in our lives for many years. We ignore that check engine light on. Mm. And, and you can ignore that light because what happens when you ignore that light, next thing you know, if you ignore the light out of your engine and your car, it's going to burn out. And I didn't realize that it was me that needed it. And it was me when it was my wife. I got diagnosed, it forced me to slow down because the signs were there. Mm. I was just ignoring it. And the thing is, it is we had to turn my wife's body down. She had a double mastectomy. Our lives were literally broken down to the foundation to build us back up. And the mistake that we make as entrepreneurs, as business owners, is that we want to build on top of cracked foundation and it doesn't work that way. We learned that in, in, during COVID. Why did all these businesses go out of business? Because they had their wrong foundation. They didn't have the proper foundation and all the cracks, all the fractures were exposed in these businesses and these lives. And look, they're not in, in existence anymore. Mm -hmm. so, so the lesson was to really slow down and pay attention to their check engine light that's on your life. I love that check engine light. I often use a phrase, which is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll reword it. doesn't matter what wording you use. You know, there's a, there's a saying that is, the universe or God, whatever you want to refer to yes. as, they will say, you know, the universe will send you messages or God will send you messages. But my, my friend used to say, but don't worry, Patrick, if you don't hear them, they will turn up the volume and eventually you will hear them. And it's like, oh my gosh, right? What is, it was such a powerful message for me. So it's like, God whispers, but don't worry if you don't hear it. <laughs> It'll turn up the volume. You just don't want to hear the volume, right? Like you don't want to let it get to that point. In other words, listen to the whispers. And whether you call it God or Buddha or the universe or whatever you want to you know, phrase it, we all are all part of consciousness and those messages are there. 
You know, we are children of the universe and those messages are there. And and the check engine light is so freaking good. I think I'll use that one. I haven't actually heard that one before. So uh, thanks for sharing that insight. Daniel, give me some, you know, when we look at where you are today, you're, you know, you were in the Chevy dealership, you ran a dealership, which in itself is a, is a, is a lot of responsibility, lots of things that you have to measure your success against in that environment. Uh, you came out really being a speaker coach, which is an entrepreneur. When you look back as a kid growing up, I don't know how many siblings, if any, that you had. When you look back and you say, well, how did I end up being an entrepreneur? Was there somewhere that in reflection you go, yeah, there's probably a place I always wanted to do that. Was there a place as a kid growing up where you wanted attention as in I, you were willing to stand on a stage or, you know, is there any kind of background that you would share that's saying, you oh, here's a little bit of a thing in reflection that, you know, something as a kid, my mom said this, my dad did that. My brother was this way. Anything that gives you uh, some kind of history as to how you got to where you are today. I would like to say that there was a reflection point when I look back and say, oh yeah. But I think that, I think what comes to mind when you say that is that I just never felt like I belonged. I was always a chubby little kid that wanted to be heard, that struggled to fit in. And I think now on this other side, I'm being heard. I'm speaking to hundreds of thousands of people every year. And I belong because people need to hear my message because I truly care about people. So I think looking back, it was just the desire to really want, because as human beings, we're wired that way. As human beings, we're, we're, we're wired to help each other. We're wired to to, to have a sense of belonging. And most of us, this is the thing is we, 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 within our own insecurities in our mind and who we are inside, we don't feel we belong with the elite. We don't feel we belong with the best. In reality, we do. So I think that just my sense of wanting to, to fit in and just nothing spectacular, just to be like everybody else and have fun and be cared about, be appreciated. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what comes to mind when you say that, because now I'm being able, like I feel the appreciation when, when I get these messages, whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram and man, Daniel, your podcast made a difference. That episode I heard of you or your speech in California really touched my heart or, Hey, I resonated with this post you made. It's just, it's beautiful. When you, I never did I ever imagine that speaking would need, now we have a book publishing division. We do uh, our millionaire my bootcamp that we're going to have May 26, 27. Now we're training speakers all over the country. We have our Sticker Shock Speaking Academy, which we just totally branded. Now we have a corporate sponsor with that. Just so many amazing things are happening, but it, it really started from following my intuition, that voice from God that said, go out there and be a motivational speaker. The mistake that we make, many people never reach millionaire status is because they dilute their focus and, and they want to do 20 things at one time because we hear this, BS for other people, you have to have multiple streams of income. Well, the thing is this, is that you got to focus on one mainstream and then that funds everything else. And that's what we were able to do for ourselves. That's fantastic. Great message there. You know, when you consider that in, and just like your comment, like I look at who I am, what I want to be. And it's really important that I'm a contribution. I need to be and want to make a difference in people's lives. And I know the psychology behind that is also the nature, but the psychology of us as human beings is we need to be significant. And I don't mean significant from a ego point of view or a look at me point of view, but being significant in where do we make a difference in somebody's lives? And it could be that you're a parent or that you're part of the community or you're being a contribution at work that you gain significance. That's human nature. It's actually a requirement. Uh, I say a requirement. It is our tendency is to need that to actually feel fulfilled, to get that sense of joy and fulfillment is we get to make a difference by being significant, by offering guidance, knowledge, uh, insights, whatever that might be. You you get that in spades because you're really on the stage a lot. You've created a whole program around a coaching program, et cetera. And, you know, when I say that, what I really want is from you is like the question I guess I'm asking is, is I look at what drives us. And what drives people in general is of being a contribution. We all want to be a contribution at some level. We do it in a more public way. 
You know, you do it on stage. A mom might do it by being a contribution to her family. Uh, a dad might be, no, I'm a contribution to my family. That's all it needs to be for me. Others go, no, I want to make a difference on this team. I want to drive the business to the next level. I want to take the sales team and make it even bigger, better. I want to be a contribution. Underlying all of that is where do we get to be significant? And that really is also an identity of what we do and who we are. So I'm just framing it and saying, okay, if I frame it that way, from your perspective, based on your experience, is there anything there that you would add to that or go a little deeper on? Is that helpful in the question? I, I would say this is that we all have a gift hmm. and, and I can't operate in, even though we kind of speak on the same subject of the millionaire mind and millionaire mindset and success, your gift is different than Daniel's gift. Mm -hmm. And the mistake that we make is we try to operate and live life in somebody else's gift. Mm. When you take your gift and you flow in that and you develop that and you have to develop it. Many people think it comes natural, even though you have natural talent, somebody who works with their gifts is going to beat that person with natural talent. And sometimes it takes a, a, a time to discover your gift. But once you discover your gift, you're like, man, I'm a good cook. <laughs> and then you realize that you take that to the next level. And then you take a chance on a restaurant and then you open up that restaurant. Well, then what happens is now people are benefiting. They're being significant because people are enjoying the environment that you created in that restaurant. They're enjoying the food that you created. And this is just where most entrepreneurs mess up. They want to do everything themselves. Mm. You want to scale and grow your business data in general. Duplicate yourself. And then as a, as a, as a cook, as the chef of the restaurant, you're the owner. You duplicate yourself, and now you got four cooks. The volume of your revenue goes up. Now you don't got one person cooking. You got three or four people cooking. Now that's what, but it's, it's found in figuring out that that's your gift. That's your gift. I can't have your gift because I have my own. I love that. I love that. Daniel, yeah, I know you uh, came on the podcast today not feeling well, and I appreciate the time that you've given me. And as we wind things down, I like to do a little series called Rapid Fire Questions. And no, they're not all that rapid fire, but we're going to try it anyways. So again, thank you for doing that. And I know, like I say, you're not feeling great. So I appreciate that uh, you kind of dug deep to come forward with some uh, wonderful wisdom. So thank you for that. I want to respond to that because it's, that's part of being successful. Mm -hmm. The average person would have just said, Hey, you know what, Patrick, it can't make it. And it might've cost me the interview because it's just the fact that maybe you're like, man, that's minute, but you got to push yourself when you don't feel like doing things. And I'm going to say this weaker weak is he or she who allows her circumstances to control them. Strong is he or she who can overcome regardless of their situations and circumstances. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. That actually would have played into, I may have left you, I may leave you off the hook on one of my questions. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. Okay, so we'll have a little fun along the way. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Woo -woo, all the way. Oh gosh, you drink the Kool-Aid. I have an <laughs> iPhone too, but I don't I don't drink the Kool-Aid to that degree. So, anyways, got it. Your room, your desk, or your car, what do you clean first? Oh, my my desk. <laughs> you like a clean desk? That's a sign yeah. of a sick mind, Daniel. That's all I got to yeah. say about that. <laughs> That's fine. It's, it's pretty it's pretty clean right now. I like even though it I like it well organized. And I'm and the thing is I'm an expressive personality, so it's it's something that I have to be intentional about. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Aside from your uh, book, The Making of a Millionaire Mind. What book would you gift or recommend uh, because it was a, you know, a fork in the road for you or really meaningful for you? Is there a book or two that stand out? Augmandino is the world's greatest salesman. You got to buy that. Because, right, most businesses fail because of sales. They, they, you want to be an entrepreneur and you don't even know how to sell, you need to buy the world's greatest salesman by Augmandino. And by the way, folks, that is a little book. It is an easy read, and uh, it's such a powerful book, though, isn't it? Ogmandito. Yes, he's a legend. Legend. I, that, that was that was the first book I read 25, 26 years ago yeah. ever when I got into sales. Yeah, and um, changed my life because it really helped me understand and helped me be have a better attitude. And most people, they want to have a business, but they don't know how to sell. And 
you're going to be out of business if you don't know how to sell within two months. I mean, as simple as that. Favorite swear word? Favorite swear word? Mm-hmm. Mm. You don't, don't have a go-to. A swear word. Man. Daniel, it's not complicated. You're one of those guys that go, I don't know. I don't ever swear, really. <laughs> you have a much stronger command of the English language than oh, I do. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a little more expressive than that. <laughs> I don't have a swear word. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I feel like, oh, I'm so not worthy. Okay. <laughs> I guess my word would be boom, right? When anything happens, like, boom, baby, come on. <laughs> Oh. oh, you're a funny guy. Okay, fine. I will. I'll take the hit and go. Well, you know, I on the other hand, <laughs> I love to swear. Uh, okay, here we go. What is? Uh, do you have a favorite band or a favorite tune that you like to listen to that really hits home for you? You know, I, I like to listen to um, "Easy" by the Commodores. "Easy" like Sunday morning. Every Sunday, I don't know. It just I put it on every Sunday. I just go for a ride with my wife, whether it's in our car or we have a little golf cart and I just play it because it just, it relaxes me. Yeah. And it just, I just, it gets me in this zone and I just, it, it puts me in a good mood, a good state. I maybe I need to listen to that every day instead of just Sundays, but it, it's because it says easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. And that's why you just got in the habit of listening to Sundays, but I think I might need to do that more often. I may, I just may. Yeah. I love that tune. As a matter of fact, uh, very good. Um, and for some reason, cause I'm not good at names. Who's the, uh, who wrote that song? Who sings it? Commodores by Lionel Richie. By Lionel head. Richie. Yeah. 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 That was great. Great tune. Gosh, glad you brought that up. <laughs> movie. Do you have a favorite movie? Oh yeah. The Warriors, the Warriors and Tombstone. I don't watch movies. I never repeat movies. I just am not one of those guys. But I will watch the Warriors over and over in Tombstone. I'll be your little Huckleberry. <laughs> okay. Okay. But hold it, hold it, hold it. Warriors is a movie and Tombstone is a movie. Aren't those two movies? Yeah, the Warriors is a movie, yes. Yes, and Tombstone is also a movie. Yes. And you watch that one as well. So I watch those two. I'll watch two. them over. Okay, got over. it. Understood. Yeah. Great. I love it. And final question, let you off the hook. I was going to ask you for your favorite quote, but you already gave it to me. But just in case you have another one, do you have a favorite quote? Yes, it goes like this. If God can make penicillin out of smelly old stinking mold, what can he not make out of your life if you give him a space and a place for it? Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. And Daniel, what are you grateful for today? Man, for you today... Thank you for having me on this epic show. I'm grateful to be here. I thank you for the opportunity because I don't take any opportunity for granted because I wasn't always here. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Beautiful. And like you, I am always grateful for the guests that I have, the insights they share, the wisdom that they bring to this particular conversation. And Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on the Everyday A Millionaire podcast. Appreciate it, my friend. Man, thank you for having me, ladies and gentlemen. You have an amazing host here. Once again, I'm honored to be here and I look forward to our future conversations, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.